This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Program. Today you're going to hear a message that I gave at Beacon of Truth in Garnet, Kansas, on July 16, 2023, in their evening service titled, Faith Destroyers, comma, Peace in the Storm, comma, We Need Another Great Awakening, period. Enjoy the program. God bless you. How many people received that brochure this morning, color brochure, inside pictures of me meeting with different leaders around the world? Did you receive that? If you did not receive it, if you're a teenager or above, uh, raise your hand and I want you to have it. Inside of it, there are two news articles. Eagle Saving Nations Part 1, Eagle Saving Nations Part 2. I want you to read it because it describes, again, the desperate times we're in. And we are in desperate times. We shouldn't be afraid, but neither should we be lackadaisical. Because our enemy wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy America. He wants to usher in severe persecution. The Bible warns about it. The new world order, the one world government, the mark of the beast. All of this is very real. And we need to be on guard. Germany, the Christians were not on guard. And 11 million were killed as well as 6 million Jews. They could have stopped it in the beginning. But they did not. They sat back and sang hymnals. As people were demonized, lost their freedoms, and taken to the death chambers. Laws are being changed right now as we speak. We need to be on guard because they're trying to take away Christianity or God in this nation. Satan hates God. We could get into it in depth, what's going on through the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the Biden administration. It's a direct attack on our values, our beliefs, on God himself. I just about thought about teaching instead of on peace later tonight, on family, on the responsibility of the family, of the husband, the wife, because they're directly trying to destroy God's Structure, his government on earth, the family. We need to understand that we need to protect our families. We need to know how to love our families, how to train our families, how to equip them, because they're going to be going through some deep waters. And everybody's faith is individual. I've had five children, 
Three of them are in ministry right now. But everybody has an individual faith. They can't have my faith. They need their faith, their relationship with God. They have to grow into God's image. We need to understand these things. We need to make sure our children are so grounded in the word of God before they leave our home. Because the rough storms of life will come. And if they're not grounded, they're going to become a casualty. There'll be unnecessary suffering they did not need to suffer. This will break your heart as a parent. You have to really ground them in the word of God and make sure their relationship with God, their faith is strong. Unshakable. Eagle-saving nations. I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs. You read the whole thing. The Bible is clear. In the last days, perilous times will come. 2 Timothy 3.1 For men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. See, that's the problem with right now the church. We have become lovers of ourselves rather than lovers of God. I'm not worried about the atheist, the agnostic. The problem is the church. The church has always protected the nation, always, until recently. This morning I gave some statistics how even only 12% of youth pastors have a biblical worldview. That's shocking. That's pathetic. What are they teaching to the youth? Alternate lifestyles? The value system of liberals? Universities? To know the truth, the truth will set you free. But if we don't know the truth, we're not set free. We're under bondage. We're under deceivableness. For men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 4. Jesus asked a question, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Will he really find it? Luke 18, 8. You know, it was wonderful listening to these young ladies sing. A reflection of their parents. How they've been raised. Now they've got to continue deeply with their own faith to grow. Because mom and dad will not live forever. But they themselves can be pillars, foundational pieces with the bride of Christ. And they need to be. Because a church is losing membership. Or they're going into the emergent church changing values and beliefs. Today, like never before in history, the United States of America, as well as every nation, Jesus Christ is being maligned, ridiculed, and made obsolete. There's a direct attack on Judeo-Christian morality, values, beliefs, as atheists, agnostics, Marxist, communist, New Age theology, the New World Order, and it goes on and on and on. The Club of Rome, the United Nations, the Bilderbergers, the Committee of 300, the Trilateral Committee, Skull and Bones, and I could go endlessly on all moving to nullify the gospel of Jesus Christ, eradicated out of America, create this new world order. And so many of our presidents have belonged to these committees. Skull and Bones, the Bush administration, both of them. We could go on and on, the Clintons. Not in Skull and Bones, but another trilateral. Obama. Does it matter who you elect? They're all part of the secret societies for a new world order. 
Why do they hate Trump? Because he's against it. Why did they kill JFK? Because he was uh, going to expose it and move us out of the Federal Reserve. They assassinated him instead of bringing America under God and freedom again. I'm talking about with the CIA, the FBI, the mafia. International bankers are making decisions that control nations. Let me make it very clear, the Federal Reserve is not federal, has no reserves. The central bank are actually criminal syndicate to control mankind. Top leaders of nations are in bed with these criminal bankers and, that are against the people and are working to enslave their populations, murder everybody, including presidents of nations who threaten them. That's what they're doing. You look back and you, if you understand what really went on with JFK, he was really a hero. He was not what they call the Democratic Party today. He loved America. He wanted to remove secret societies that all of these previous guys have belonged to. He considered them a radical enemy of the United States. As soon as he was assassinated on the plane, Lyndon Bing Johnson reneged the resolution that would have brought us out of the Federal Reserve. He was part of the conspiracy. They knew what they were doing. Again, that's why they want to nullify Trump. You better understand what's going on. Some are calling the coronavirus a pandemic. The plan is to destroy the old order, bring us into the new world order. However, this new world order will be nothing like the old freedom-loving America. No, the new world order will be nothing more or less than pure communism. The new world order will have total dominion and control over all the masses of the world. This will be done through human microchipping and vaccines. Before he died, Hollywood director and documentarian filmmaker Aaron Russo openly discussed his relationship with Nicholas Rockefeller of the Rockefeller family. And according to Russo, Nicholas Rockefeller personally told him the elite's ultimate goal was to create a microchipped population. The goal is to get everyone chipped to control the whole society, to have the bankers and elite people control the world. Believe me, they're already planning their next pandemic. This was a trial run to see who would cooperate. They already have people named and listed as enemies. We need to understand we're in serious business. The church is the only body that can protect America and stop this insanity to bring us under control. And that's why they hate us so bad. And they do. They call us not authentically human. And they say, is it wrong to kill someone who is not authentically human? According to the book, The Creation from Jekyll and Hyde, a second look at the Federal Reserve, the basic plan for the Federal Reserve was drafted at a secret meeting held in November 1910 at a private resort, J.P. Morgan and Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia. Those who attended represented the great financial institutions of Wall Street, indirectly Europe as well. It was realized that the bankers would have to become partners with the political and politicians and the structure of the cartel would have to be a central bank. A central bank. The seven men who attended the secret meeting on Jekyll Island where the Federal Reserve was conceived represented an estimated one-fourth of the total wealth of the entire world. 
Nelson W. Aldrich, Republican whip in the Senate, chairman of the National Monetary Commission, father-in-law to John D. Rockefeller, Jr. Two, Henry P. Davidson, senior partner of J.P. Morgan Company. Three, Charles D. Norton, president of the First National Bank of New York. Four, Piet Andrew, assistant secretary of treasury. Five, Frank Vanderlip, president of the National City Bank of New York, representing William Rockefeller. Six, Benjamin Strong, head of J.P. Morgan's Bankers Trust Company, later become head of the system. And seven, Paul W. Warburg, partner in Cohen, Loeb and Company, representing the Rothschilds and Warburgs in Europe. Again, this has been going on for a long time to control mankind, to literally control mankind. Where Mother Earth, so to speak, is their God, to protect the Earth, and they literally want to depopulate the world, some, the Georgia Guidestones, all the way down to a half a billion. In 2020, the census on the website of the United States government, 2020, I have a copy of it, said by 2025, America is supposed to have 100 million people. Well, what do they know? Where is the other 200 and some million? What is going on? What are they planning? They projected a lot of death. This isn't in the Bible. This was on the United States website. Where is the other 200 plus million Americans? I'm also the president of Eagle Saving Nations. We're trying to get into the stadiums, national stadiums, NBA stadiums, civic centers. We have to have another great awakening. We need people again to fill those stadiums and let the power of God come down once again. Jesus told his bride and his disciples, go and tarry. Don't try to do my work until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then go represent me. Don't try it without my power within you. You can't do it. Peter tried. He ran. He hid. He lied. He denied Christ. That's why Christians aren't standing up to this tyranny and coercion and manipulation and threats. Right now, they're keeping their mouth shut out of fear and intimidation. Now, not every Christian. But truth takes away deception. Prayer brings conviction. You're not going to save America by just praying. We are in a vicious battle. The church has to engage in this battle. we got to rise up and be strong and speak the truth to set the people free. Amen? Amen? That's what the gospel is all about. Speaking the truth, liberating mankind. Preventing tyranny from coming on our people. That's what a Issachar is all about. We need another great awakening all over the world. My concern is the bride of Christ in every nation. Sure, I'm deeply concerned over America. That's where we're based. That's where we're focused. And uh, we, we speak to the American church seven days a week, but it also goes to the other nations. But I'll tell you, my, my concern, Christ's concern, he's concerned for his bride in every nation. Are you with me? He loves every nation. My heart breaks when I see the suffering in nations brought on by corruption because the church is failing to do its job. 
Jesus is concerned all over the world that they come under a sheep nation and not a goat nation. He doesn't want his bride to suffer. Germany did not have to come under Hitler. Like I said, the church could have stopped it. But they didn't do it. I just want to touch on before I get into my message tonight. We talked about demons this morning and, and demons, evil spirits are being released in America more than ever before because America is opening the doors more than ever before. See, that's what's going on. I also read some verses how out of the abyss countless demons are going to be released even to kill a third of mankind. But why are we seeing more of a manifestation if you recognize the demonic? It's because the church is further away from God than ever before. You could cast demons out of just about people in every church. I've cast them out of the, the worship pastor and, and a very large five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. And the worship pastor came up for prayer, for healing. I recognized demons. I started casting them out. They brought in a garbage can and he was screaming as demons were coming out of him, vomiting. This is the worship pastor. We are opening our gateways for demonic activity, and we're not even knowing what we're doing. Avatar, marine spirits, Hinduism. If you understand that at all, I don't have time to get into it. I've done a whole program on, it on my website, worldministries.org. The blue, all of it, what it represents. This is Hinduism. This is marine spirits. And I've heard Christians, oh, what a lovely movie. How ignorant. You're, if you're sitting with your family, you're opening the gateways for demonic activity into their very lives. I went to Washington, D.C., 2010, January 11, with a team of ministers. These were all pastors, and we prayed six to eight hours a day. The purpose was the trip was to intercede on behalf of the nation, pray that God will not allow America to fall under tyranny. We prayed in the home of Dick Simmons, founder of Men for Nations. Right outside his window, there was Congress, the Capitol. The success of the trip depended upon as much unity as possible. Where there is unity, there is victory. And we moved into unity. We flowed in unity. Six to eight hours of prayer as God gave revelation. On Wednesday, January 13, while we were interceding, I would always start off with tongues until God gave me clear direction for the words to pray. I saw in a vision an octopus on the top of the Capitol building with its eight arms equipped with suckers influencing not only members of the Senate and House of Representatives, but also the justices of the Supreme Court and the President and his staff in the White House. Okay, so you can picture this octopus with its tentacles, suckers. Again, the octopus represented spiritual powers and principalities of darkness, Lucifer and the beast, which is influencing these three branches of government. Now, you know, what is going on in America? We are being influenced by evil spirits. Right at the top. I explained that the octopus is a predator which feeds on other prey. It likes to deceive its prey by camouflaging itself 
until it strikes. And that's what a lot of our politicians have done, camouflage themselves when their loyalty is not to the sovereignty of America, but it's to destroy and bring down the republic. If the octopus is exposed, it squirts a cloud-like substance which acts as a smoke screen, hiding its escape as well as paralyzing smaller victims before it eats them. And I shared this is what's happening in Washington, D.C. today. Now, I don't have time to go into the depths of it. After 68 hours of prayer, I went into the Congress, into the Senate, into the Supreme Court. We went to the White House. Throughout the building, it's clear of the Messianic influences that America leaders were greatly influenced by forces and powers contrary to the Holy Spirit. When I visited the gallery of the House of Representatives, I discerned the spirit of worldly wisdom of men and gods, the spirit of compromise, intimidation, the spirit of fear and deceivableness ruling the House of Representatives. I discerned the need to have our team and others pray for the spirit of the prophet to come upon righteous members of the House of Representatives to bring correction and direction. I actually visited members of the House of Representatives and prophesied over them and challenged them. When I visited the gallery of the Senate, meditated, asking the Lord to reveal to me the identification of ruling spirits, I discerned the spirit of Lucifer, the sub-spirit Dacon, the spirit of death and warmongering, the spirit of intimidation, compromise, syncretism, ruling the Senate. The Holy Spirit instructed me to have our team and others pray for the spirit of the apostle and prophet to come upon righteous senators to speak words of leadership and correction. We're seeing a few do this battle right now. When I visited the Supreme Court, I was greatly troubled. Now, this was during the Obama administration, remember. After much deliberation and meditation, I discerned the spirit of death and murder. Confusion ruling the justices of the Supreme Court. And their decisions were bringing death and murder and confusion upon the citizens of the United States. I felt led to advise the team and others to pray for God to remove with death and disease those judges who are bringing judgment on America. And that's what has happened. And now three new Supreme Court justices, conservatives, have replaced them. And they overturned Roe versus Wade. I prayed for death as they had brought countless death on millions upon millions upon millions of babies. And their time of mercy and grace had ended. They have been removed. We have a conservative Supreme Court now. Ten pages, I don't have time to get into it. Because I want to talk about One, a little bit on peace. I was going to speak the whole message on peace in the storm, but instead God redirected me to faith destroyers. Three things that prevent miracles and allow demons to return. I do want to touch on peace in the storm, though. We'll just touch on it. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, 
whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned, received, and heard, and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Paul knew what he was talking about. He had suffered more than any apostle that I could read. Yet he seemed to have peace in every situation. Not that he didn't have temptation, but I immediately he applied the word of God and overcame it. He was willing and he did go right to his death, even knowing where he was going. Because he knew he had eternal life. He was representing God. He would see his reward. Paul had peace. Paul cast his cares on the Lord. And we're supposed to. Giving all your concern to the Lord. That's what Paul did. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once with, a, with stone. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeying often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, fastings often, cold and naked, besides other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern was for all the churches. His concern wasn't about himself. It was for the believers, under his nurture, under his care, those he loved, that Christ loved, and he had the heart of Christ. He had peace no matter what the situation was, and we can too. We can too. He said, dwell on these things. Do we pray and, and then Instead of dwelling on these things that he just told us, we go right back to worrying? Do we take our concerns right back after we pray? A lot of people do. We've got to literally dwell on what God said to dwell on. And literally trust in God, not ourselves. We need to cast our cares on the Lord. We need to control our thoughts. Stop thinking negatively. Stop doubting God's word. Stop what I call stinking thinking. Stop thinking negatively. You know, I taught recently on the Leviathan spirit and marine spirits and how the Leviathan spirit brings confusion. A principality. We can't allow our mind to be influenced by Satan with our choice of how we think. Take captive every thought, every imagination, every vain thing under the rulership of Jesus Christ. Don't let the enemy control your thinking. You'll be miserable. There'll be unnecessary anxiety and worry, anger, bitterness. That opens the door for the demonic to come into your life. Copy your mentors. Follow the example of your leaders. I mean, you got a good example here. I know he, 
He's teaching a solid word. As solid as you'll get anywhere. Not only what he says, follow his example. Let's look a little bit on faith destroyers. Three things that prevent miracles or demons returning. Mark 6, 1 through 6. He went out from there and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, John, Judas, Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. So he could do no mighty works there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Because people were aware of him. He grew up in their midst. Or he was a relative. Ministers that in the family or the extended family, they can't recognize the anointing, the authority, the leadership, the mantle. And they get into familiarity. And they're offended. Where that person could go anywhere in the world and see mighty moves of God and miracles, but not with these people. What a shame. What a shame. And so in some churches, you have some family units and other family units that aren't there because they're family with the leader. For this very reason, not that the person wasn't a mighty man of God, but because of the carnality of the family members. The carnality like Miriam with her brother Moses. Miriam was struck with leprosy. She repented. God had mercy. He marveled because of their unbelief and he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. This passage gives us clear insight into what blocked the healing power of Jesus so that only a few people with minor ailments were healed. Again, the healing ministry in today's church where we see seldom, we see more than a headache dramatically healed. What's the problem? One, offense. Offense stops healing and miracles and open the doors for demons. Offense. Becoming offended is a major weapon of Satan to cancel the effectiveness of faith in a life of a believer. Here the people are offended at the preacher because they thought someone of such humble beginnings couldn't be used of God so powerfully. Becoming offended at the man or woman of God is all common in churches today. There are many believers who remain sick because of offense. Offense. We should avoid offense like it's a rattlesnake because it's just as poisonous in a spiritual sense. If we are bitten by offense, it begins a slow process of poisoning 
our whole system until we begin to look for how everyone is going to do us wrong. And we live in a life totally dominated by strife. We see things that really aren't there. We perceive what's really not there. Because it's in our imagination. Our mind is not controlled by the word of God. Transform your mind by the word of God. Don't let the enemy take your mind and bring all sorts of nonsense into your imagination. They're not even thinking what you're thinking. What is the cure for offense? It's the love of God. Because love does not take into account a wrong suffered, according to 1 Corinthians 13. People often ask me, have I offended you? My answer, no. Because I forgave you before you gave cause for offense. Learn to live with a forgiving attitude that is love in action. E.W. Kenyon said, a step out of love is a step into sin. A true father, a true mother, no matter what their child does, always forgives them as far as they, they don't have malice against them. They always show them love. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter if they're in prison for murder. They still love them. A good pastor doesn't carry offense. He, no matter what you do, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. That offense is not even there. He understands people are growing in the Lord. Without honor. No respect, no obedience, no miracles. Because too much self-pride and stubbornness. One offense stops miracles, opens the door for the demonic. Two, without honor. Just like walking in love is the key to having great faith, being an honorable person is just as important. The Bible tells us to give honor to whom honor is due and to give honor to all men. The first show of honor for a believer should be in giving according to Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with your firstfruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do we honor God? Or do we not? Don't touch this tree. Don't touch this fruit. It's a simple test of honor, of authority, of respect, of dominion. Can you come under authority? Or do you want everything? Do you want everything? A manifestation of pride, which is the root of all things, which is the root of every sin, including murder. Or can you come under God's authority? A person who refuses to give tithes and offerings, do you really trust God? I would question that, that you trust yourself way more than you trust God. Mentally, you're supposed to trust God, but in reality, you trust yourself. You trust yourself. And then you want God to heal you. How can you, God heal you when you trust yourself? You don't trust God. Years ago, I got very sick. There's been about 
three times I should have died. And, year, and some years ago, I had tumors up and down my lungs, what they thought was cancer in my kidney. My liver was bad. I went through three months of intense evaluation myself. Judge yourself, so I won't judge you, the Bible says. I evaluated everything in my life, my attitudes, my giving, my worship to God, everything. My eating, my drinking, I, I cut out some foods I shouldn't have been eating, not healthy. Cut out some things I shouldn't have been drinking, not healthy. And I'm not talking about alcohol, I'm talking about soda. It's filled with sugar, creates diabetes and other disease. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> you might think I need to be at this altar. But literally, I, I never buy a soda anymore. Never, never, never. It's full of sugar. Processed foods and sugar create diseases. Anyway, I'll get off that because it might be touchy. Could be touchy. But I'll tell you what, I repented. And then I said, I, I want God to heal me. I don't want to go through whatever. I don't want to go through the medical thing. And this surgeon was ready to do something. He wanted to do something. You know, time counts if they think you have whatever. Cancer, tumors up and down your lungs and da-da-da-da. You know, they want to operate. They want chemo. They want radiation. I wrote 15 pages of the promises of God. I inhaled them, inhaled them, inhaled them, inhaled them. Finally, the last time I went in, I'd been going in and they showed me the same x-rays, the same problem, nothing's changed. And finally I went in. He looked and said, I don't understand this, Reverend Hansen. Look at all the other x-rays. Here's all of the tumors. Yet today I don't see a single tumor. And he said, you don't have cancer in your kidney. I ran, he was a Korean surgeon. I picked him up, I swung him around. His eyes were great big, I was told. I said, I told you, Doc, God is, he is alive. And I was so excited. I had to do some repenting. Miracles happen when we align ourselves up with the word, amen? amen? Miracles happen. Without honor. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with your first fruits. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflowed with new wine. Biblical stewardship is an indication that a person has a spirit of honor for if a man would rob God, he would also be dishonorable to all men. If he would rob God, then you can't trust that man in his dealings. If he's so selfish, he would take what should be God's, he could take what's yours. Now that's me. I won't go into partnership with a dishonorable man. All men deserve honor as human beings made in God's image. The Bible tells us that some are more worthy of honor because of the level of responsibility they've been entrusted with. 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. Examples, soldiers deserve honor, but generals is more respected than privates. They have more responsibility. To honor your parents is critical. There's a whole lot to say about parents and honoring your parents. Your health, your life, your blessing, the longevity of your life. Do we honor those in authority? Do we honor our parents? I remember as a young man, I used to, you know, my dad was a pastor and 
I grew up and I questioned some of the things he did in the church. I wasn't mature yet. I didn't understand some of his decisions and how he loved and forgave people and this and that. And I became then a minister, a missionary. And I remember coming back and meeting with my dad and said, Dad, you know, I'm sorry. Now, I was a man, a young man, but I said, Dad, I'm sorry. I used to judge you wrong. And now I'm in those positions of having to make decisions. And now I understand you and how you had to make your decisions with the love of God. And I want to ask you to forgive me. I judged you, and I judged you negatively. We need to honor our parents. They have great decisions to make. They're doing the best they can. And one day we will be parents. Amen? Right? And then you'll understand the grave responsibility they have to nurture you and protect you and guide you and direct you and correct you. That's part of it. Just like a good pastor has to sometimes bring in some correction he wants to preserve your soul. He wants to prevent spirits from ending you. He wants to help you so you don't get diseases. He wants you to prosper. You should love that type of leadership. Honor. Without honor prevents miracles and opens doors for the demonic. Unbelief. The Bible states that unbelief is an evil in the sight of God, especially after being a witness to his almighty power and operation. Hebrews 3.12, the word unbelief can be a result of ignorance of the facts, which is not a sin, but the evil unbelief is being unpersuadable due to hard-heartedness or being stiff-necked. We have shared the truth beyond reason, and a person still wants to go their own way as they're stiff-necked as what was described with the children of Israel. And they suffered needlessly for 40 years, and many died in judgment. Jesus' power was blocked in the above passage because the people could not be persuaded to take him at his word, regardless of all the miracles that they had witnessed. All the miracles the people in the wilderness witnessed, coming out of Egypt and all the miracles in the wilderness, and they still showed unbelief. You know, I used to preach a sermon around the block, around the block. Some people stay in the same block and just get a bloody nose. We need to progress, to progress, to go to higher levels of glory, where God can use us in more powerful ways, as well as bless us, prosper us, close the doors to the demonic. The only way to overcome an evil heart of unbelief is full submission to Christ as Lord and acceptance of the Bible as the infallible word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. As we read, study, and listen to the word of God, we become persuaded to believe all that is written therein as the Holy Spirit brings illumination to truth. Again, the three... Faith destroyers offense, dishonor, and unbelief. God wants us to operate in our full faith potential, which is great faith. Matthew 8, 5 through 11. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 
Blessed are they when men shall be persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Hebrews 3.12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. How many people have known people or even family members that have departed from the faith due to unbelief? I bet you... In this room, since I've been here last, 2021 of October, some family members somewhere have departed from the faith because of unbelief. And it grieves you, rightfully so. We all have family or friends that have departed from the faith. 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18 let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge. Though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to the feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunted itself not, is not puffed up. Love does not behave unseemingly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Does not rejoice when we see somebody in trouble. That's not what we do. If you want vengeance on somebody and you're glad when they're in trouble, you need to really examine your heart. You've got to examine your heart. Your pastor doesn't want anybody in this room suffering. It troubles him. His heart is burdened if he sees people needlessly suffering or suffering at all. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three things, but the greatest of these is charity or love. The greatest is love. Adalia, if, if, if you can hear me, if you can just come here for a minute. You know, we're in times that we need to operate, all of us, in this love I'm talking about, this love of God. Take no offense. Honor to who honor is due. 
We can't allow these faith destroyers to cause us not to move into the fullness of God. Offense without honor, unbelief. These are the things that the enemy capitalizes on us. The enemy capitalizes on our offense without honor, unbelief. Okay, just bring him up. He's four years old today. He was here when he was only six weeks old. Do you remember that? Travels all over, but sometimes, you know, gets a little insecure. This little boy shouldn't be here. This is where we, ha we, we have to learn to fight spiritually. She was in bed, tumors, couldn't get out of bed. They talked hysterectomy. I was praying with a man in Israel, and God revealed a witch in Kenya put a curse on her. Spiritual warfare. We broke the curse. I walked upstairs. I said, you're healed. That night, an angel comes in. The next night, the same angel. Tumors disappear. The boy is born. We are fighting a spiritual battle for our families, for our soul, for our health, and we can be engaged spiritually. Your pastor, I know, is training you. He's gone into this season of understanding spirits in America and focused on deliverance because they are beating up the church left, right, and center. Amen? We don't recognize them. And if you don't recognize your enemy, how in the world are you going to defeat your enemy? And if you do recognize your enemy, can you destroy your enemy? Can you cast them out? Well, the Bible says you can if you have faith. The Bible says you can if you understand these things I've been talking about. The Bible says we can lay hands on the sick, everybody. We're not all called to the fivefold gifts of ministry, but we can engage the enemy. Amen? We can discern if a person's in sin and ask him to repent and then pray the prayer of faith. And we want that to happen. We want you engaged. We want you to be a walking, if you want to say, revival. Everywhere I go, revival is with me. Everywhere I go, I see miracles. Hadalia, just come up here a minute. And just say a couple words. Good evening, church. Okay, I'm Adalia Hansen, and um, I travel with my husband, if I can, with my boy. And um, I recently got ordained by the Assemblies of God as a reverend, so I do minister sometimes. And um, the Lord has been showing me just about the second coming of Christ, and so he has sent me to just preach and minister to different people concerning his second coming. And he also spoke to me about the power and authority has given the church because there's a lot of demonic activities that is happening and infiltration of the enemy within the church. So his emphasis is that people need to walk in the power that he has given unto us because it's a gift of God to every believer. It's a gift. Authority comes from having a close relationship with Christ whereby the same way a husband and a wife walk together is the same way you walk with Christ. Then he will trust you with more of his power and his authority. Amen? So um, I'll let him continue what he was doing. Thank you. Yeah. I have a lot of powerful... If you can stay around and help us pray too. 
I have a lot of powerful women in my life. Not like my grandmother, Letta Hansen. They were the first missionaries in northern China. But my grandfather, obviously, was a senior pastor. She just assisted. None of them are senior pastors, but they're all assisting. Amen? I believe in the senior pastor, the headship, and what God has placed in order. But I also believe that women can be used of God powerfully. Just like they've been used of God powerfully in the home, and just like Brother Esh's wife is powerfully used to support him, and uh, my mother was powerfully used to support my father. Even though she wasn't the senior pastor, she supported him. And she was equipped to help a lot of the, the women in the church and other things. And I know Mrs. Esh does the same thing here. Amen? Amen. So that's important. That's important. And every one of us can be used of God. We're going to allow God to move a little bit if we have instruments. And, you know, you sang beautifully. You're led by the Spirit, so just start to play as the Holy Spirit directs you. Just starts to play. I, when I, I, I was hearing her, I actually recorded her. I knew her dad and mom must be very proud of her. You know, this, this gal is going to be used of the Lord, as I believe all of your children are. They can be foundation pieces, pillars in the bride of Christ. Are we together? Our sons and daughters can become foundation pieces, warriors in this battle we're in. We're in warfare. Israel, men and women, serve in the military. They need every single person. Every person serves. Every person serves. Women, men. I was just in Israel. I'm there every year. I was just in the parliament, in the Knesset, May the 2nd, all day. May 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, I met with the world leaders in Israel. I'm a member of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus for World Peace. Peace among Jews and Muslims. Peace among Christians. But they have everybody capable of fighting. Men and women. Every daughter, every son is going to serve in the military in Israel. There's no exception. That is a lesson we can learn. We all need to become warriors. Amen? We're in a battle. We all can become warriors. Every single one of you. An anointing can come upon you. You can continue to sit under your apostles' leadership. You can grow with your arsenal of weapons. You can change this whole city of Garnet. And then expand it. Expand your influence. I could see where later on in the future, God-tearing not only tens, but hundreds could go forth out of this church as flames of fire. Flames of fire. In Singapore, we had 300 missionaries going out of that church as flames of fire, starting churches all over the world. An apostolic church. 
started 2,000 churches under it. They all knew their responsibility, what they could do as a member of the body of Christ and their responsibility to lay hands on the sick, to witness, to disciple, to move into deliverance. And those 300 moved into full-time ministry, obviously, going through the different courses to be fully equipped to do start churches around the world, which 2,000 have been started out of one church. This church, as Brother Reuben Ash has been talking to me, and doors are opening right now for influence, influence among the harvest field that he has a tremendous burden for, and I'm so happy. And every person here can be a warrior. Amen? Every person here can be a warrior. If you want to be a warrior, if you want to be used of God, I want you just to come forward and we're going to have the elders, Pastor Reuben Esch's leadership team, and we're going to pray for you. Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business, or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you join hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.